You should be the host here. I really love it, aren't you? We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Hello and welcome along to the Red 78 here on the Rugby Channel, your one-stop shop for all the monster rugby talk you could ever want. Uh, some of it is good. We, we hope most of it is good. Some of it is... Uh, Maybe not so good some weeks. And, and of course, with me as always is Neve Briggs, my partner in crime. Uh, we're not alone this week. We're very, very lucky um, to have the Munster Forwards coach, Graham Roundtree, with us. Uh, you're very welcome along, Graham. I'm not going to read out all your uh, achievements and your, your caps for England, British and Irish Lions, and all your coaching roles that you've had. But um, currently, obviously, we, we talk about Munster rugby here, and uh, we've been told by a little. A little birdie told us that sometimes you listen, so we said it's good to get you on and give you give you the pla- a platform to have a chat about what's happening and and in Munster Rugby. And uh, you're just back from South Africa, um, a busy trip for you, and and a busy season coming up. So look, you're very welcome along. Thank you for joining us. Well, hi lads, hi Quinny, hi Neve. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, I do listen. Um, apart from when Billy Holland's on because he sends me. <laughs> A reminder of listening to Holland again um, last time he was on. But now I do listen. Um, thanks for having me. Yep, been a busy couple of weeks in South Africa. We got back Sunday lunchtime. Um, disappointing, but I'm sure we'll get into that. But uh, no, thanks for having me. Yeah, look, Graham, I like I know we've had good conversations over the last while in relation to coaching and everything like that. But I suppose the one question on, on, on everybody's minds and tips of everybody's songs and, and fans especially is, you know, what's coming down the road in relation to the head coaching job. I think, you know, obviously... Um, maybe, we're getting, there. maybe we're getting an exclusive name, are we? <laughs> uh, hopefully, but look, I think, you know, rumours out there that... Um, Definitely, you you know you went for the interview, and um, you know, is there any kind of update? I think on it, I think this is um, what we're trying to find out. I think, I think everybody everybody knows my coaching aspirations and what I think of this club. Um, is a process, an ongoing process. <laughs> it's it's not the it's not the quickest process ever, I have to say, but it, it's still ongoing. I, I really can't I can't tell you any more than that. Sorry. No, it's that's good. That's good. Um, can I just ask you? Probably the big thing is is what draws you to this club. I think you know you seem to have settled in really, really well. Um, from both the you know any player that I've ever spoke to speaks so highly of you and the culture and the environment that you drive. And I just think you know how is it that you found yourself in Munster and are you enjoying it? I think since I finished playing, started coaching, uh, I've had a few jobs, not not loads. Worked in different environments, but I've never, I've never had the affinity or the connection to a, a club like I have for, for Munster at the moment. Because it, it, simply, it's it's like the club I grew up in, Neve, at Leicester, and you know, we're old foes. And I'm not even going to mention that final in Cardiff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, was... well, okay, I wasn't on the field at the time, right? I wasn't on the field. I've been. Well... We won't mention, uh, there's no need to bring Neil back into it, but I just was wondering, I was going to say, is there any chance you could uh, round up a few of your former Leicester teammates and give us back a few of those medals 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I've enough medals, Leroy. You've got enough. Um, no, like- it was, look, it wasn't. Uh, come here. There's a, there's a myth going around that uh, because of what Neil Back did that uh, cost us the game. We had a chance of scoring, but I think we'd be the first to acknowledge as, parent, as players that we were probably still on a learning curve in, in 2002, and that was an incredible Leicester side you were on. Uh, Martin Curry, uh, Moody, Dorian West, yourself, Garford, Johnson, Ben Kay, all these guys. And I remember going into that final, Graham, one of the things that, one of your big strengths that year was your mall. And we had this plan, stop the Leicester mall, and we might have a chance then. We stopped them all, but we conceded two Two tries, and and I remember we threw the kitchen sink at you, but you, it was an incredible side. That was an incredible Leicester side. And just to add on to what Neve said, because that always intrigued me, I think, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, I think there's a lot of similarities with Leicester and Munster, mm-hmm. the fans, the passion, the old-school approach, uh, European rugby. Um, is that something maybe that, that kind of, is there similarities there? Yeah. Absolutely. Grounded, grounded, good, grounded people. There's a humility uh, and a passion in, in the community. You can feel it. Um, you know, and I, I'd never, having played against Munster many times, I'd never played at Turman Park. Never. It was either at Leicester or in, in the Millennium, for example. And just when I joined the club three years ago, I went to Turman for the first time. Wow. I mean... It's, that's a cathedral of rugby, that is. What, what a stadium that is. So there's, there's, there's lots of similarities, but I, I mean it when I say the, I have an, an affinity with the club. I've moved my family over. They're really enjoying it. They couldn't have settled in any better and into the local community, local school, and we like to play more rugby, more sport than ever. Um, I've got three kids. I've got a, a daughter of 22 and two boys of 19 and 15. My 19-year-old is over in he's uh, over in Loughborough University studying. He's he's on the books for Leicester's development team. Uh, but my youngest lad plays for Bowes, UL Bowes, and he's never great played. club, great yeah. club. Good coaches there, Neve. Good coaching <laughs> there, um, and he he loves it. He loves it. So you know they couldn't have settled in any better. That's class. Can just going from the transition of player to coach. Uh, look at. I'm kind of in the middle of it at the moment. It's very, it, it's You're doing very, all right. You're doing all right, aren't you? <laughs> it's a very kind of intriguing pathway. You know, a lot of your lesser teammates, very few of them kind of went into coaching, a lot of them went into media and other type of stuff. Like, what drew you to that coaching element? Um, before I finished playing, I was doing a bit of work with the academy and I got a taste for coaching. I, I do a bit on a Monday night with the academy. I just enjoy it. I, I love I love the teaching aspect of it, sharing stuff, getting lads ready for a game. And I was very lucky with some of my early coaching gigs. I mean, crikey, I, I, I was a player coach in my last year at Leicester when, I, in fact, the club retired me um, in 2007. <laughs> they, they said, Graham, we've got this lad called Martin Castrugivani and Marcus Ayesa. Um, They're joining us. We'd like you to stay in the books and, and be ready if we ever need you. They never needed me. They were um, brilliant players, weren't they? Oh, change propping, change mm. propping. Crikey, I think of my involvement in the game compared to theirs. It's, it's frightening. Um, so I did a year at Leicester um, helping out the academy in the second team. Then I got uh, an offer to work for England as a academy coach, uh, a scrum coach. And next thing I knew, I was at the 2007 World Cup, uh, seconded to, to the first team. And that was just an unbelievable experience. And I was very lucky, you know, early on, 
as working with some class coaches. And then I said, the biggest thing that changed my, coach, my coaching career was as part of the England job, I used to go around all the premiership clubs and I, went, I used to go to Wasps a lot because I was intrigued by their coaching team. They had Sean Edwards there and he, uh, Sir Ian McGeegan, Sir Ian McGeegan. Next thing I know, I'm on a Lions tour with them in 2009 with Gatland, um, McGeegan, Edwards. You should have been there, Quinny. <laughs> in 2009, yeah. We won't go there. We won't go there. But that was an unbelievable coaching experience so early in my career. And I'd say I've just been very lucky to work with some really good coaches. Do, do you think coaches, um, you talk about luck, do you think they need an element of luck? Yep. Um, does timing have to be right? Absolutely. Because uh, I think the timing of, of hypothetically what potentially could happen, so we'd say hypothetically with you taking over a monster job, with a lot of good young players, I think it would it probably be fair to say that you know it's been topsy turvy for 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 Munster in the last number of years. Some some very good high points, some very good wins. No trophy since two thousand eleven. There's probably an expectation, a pressure there to you know that that goes with the likes of Leicester and Munster and and teams who've done well in Europe historically. Do you think the timing of this could be right for you? If if it was potentially going to happen, you're staying on anyway. You're going to be there anyway because you've signed a new contract. So um, I'm with this group, you know. Right, you're with this group for the next two years. So yeah. let's just say as an assistant coach, so yeah. that'd be fair. Yeah, I think the, the time is right. I think that's one thing that was a real plus point out of the, the disappointment of the last two weeks. Right, let's not escape. We're disappointed we didn't win them games. We could have. We come home with two losing bonus points. We quite easily could have come home with ten points. Um, the disappointment is huge, but these young lads are just getting better and better. Quinny, and they're in a hostile environment at altitude at twenty-eight degrees, and they're just they're learning. I look at the young lads and their performances. That's that's what makes me proud to be involved with this club. It, it, I think there's a time now where there's lads coming through, and just underneath in the academy, and we're looking at. Filling the academy from underneath the local schools, what's coming through? I mean, you, I don't know if you saw the schools final uh, last week. Yeah, it's exciting. It's an exciting time for the club, but we know there's a demand to win a flipping trophy. But I, I tell you one thing: we're not far off, and we've shown that in the last couple of years. It's that last bit we've got to get right. That last bit under pressure in the moment and win a final. We we know that. We know there's that expectancy. But all we can do. Is what we can change every day, every session, every every game. And I think the expect expectancy at times can be unfair, Graham. Again, similarity with with Leicester. You know, they've gone through a, a tricky period. Um, you know, a lot of coaches changes there. Um, there seem to be kind of turning a corner now. There's optimism yeah. and enthusiasm there about Leicester. Is it unfair? Is that expect? Ex- no, I, I, I don't. It's. <laughs> I'm not sure whether it's unfair or not. I, I, I can see the expectation. I, I, I can see it. And we know it. When, when you take the job, particularly at a club like this, you get paid for the pressure, Quinny. You get paid to deal and work under pressure. That's every day, week in, week out, and every game in the key moments as a coach, under pressure, doing the right thing. We know that when we sign on. All we can do is get these lads better, play better, win games. I don't, know who, I, I don't know who'd want to be a coach. Neve is heading into <laughs> Six Nations with with the Irish women's team now as well. And, uh, you know, you've an incredibly busy end of season. Who would want to be a coach? 
I don't know how you deal with that pressure that you're know, talking about. I can't imagine what I'd do if I wasn't coaching. Yeah. No, I just can't. I can't imagine not doing it. Um, it's what drives me on, and I'm not. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not as good as I can be yet. And you, you, you're always learning. And you know, I, I say to Neve and any other young coaches or coaches who are newer to the gig, you've got to learn off as many people as you can off every environment, every coach you come across. But be yourself. You know, be yourself. We all have our own style. And I, you know, I've worked with a lot of guys. And, oh, I like that, but that's not for me. But you, you've got to be. You've got to be yourself, and you don't have to coach as you were coached. I think that's important. You've got to just be yourself. Do you know, in relation to that, that that pressure, that expectation, how do you prepare players for that? Because let's face it, like Quinny's talk, negative, negative, negative. Um, when, when, when it's constant or, you know, you get you put in a, a tough or a poor performance and look, you all know in the dressing room that wasn't what you wanted or expected the ability to be able to get them to bounce back or maybe to block out that white noise because you understand that, you know, that inside your own bubble, you're seeing improvements. Like, I thought you were really unfortunate last weekend against the Lions. I thought some of the rugby you played was some of the best I'd seen. Like, that Finney literally try was super. Um, and that's what, you know, fans have been crying out for for a long time. And with that high risk comes high reward, you know, and, and sometimes things can, results don't go your way from it. But you know in your own little bubble that, you know, you're trying things and you're improving every week. I just wonder from that player perspective, how do you shield them from that kind of pressure, expectation, negativity? You control what you can in, in terms of your performance. That's all we can do, control what we can. Like at the weekend, I mean, we were 21-10 at 50 minutes. We have a try disallowed, perfectly good try disallowed. Um, but it took us to 28-10. And even at 65 minutes, we're still 21-10. Then we fell away, really, uh, at the back end of the game, under pressure, under extreme circumstances that these lads have never had before with the, the, the temperature and the altitude. You know, we made a couple of key mistakes, and that cost us the game. It's not good enough, but we know that. So we look at, we come in today, we look at, right, lads, what are we going to learn from? What are we going to do better in these in these moments? But in terms of expectation, we can just control what we do on the field, tactically, physically, and and train. I think it's important. I look at how we train now. You've got to train an intensity uh, to get them ready for the match demands now for nearing nearly a 40-minute ball in playtime. You've got to get them ready for that, but that's all we can control. The rest of it takes care of itself. Graham, if I could ask you... um... Uh, just with, with, and people will be probably interested, monster fans who listen to the podcast, just what was it like? Um, obviously, rugby players move on, coaches move on. I understand that. It's part of life. Johan is moving on. Stephen Larkham is moving on. Um, there's changes. It happens. It's a professional sport. As you say, people get paid. What's it been like? Because I think monster fans would be intrigued to know, has anything changed um, what's it like for you who's going to stay on out of that coaching ticket? Has anything been different or is it just everybody trying to be professional? And, and I'm sure Johan um, has tried to, is trying to give it his all as he all are to try and get results as well. He's he's not just trying to give it at all. He, he, he is, quite frankly. That, that Those lads have been bang on a thousand percent as they always have been in terms of their diligence and their attention to the job. December was a messy month, Quinny. Yeah. Um, 
you know, Steve announced he was leaving. Um, then the squad gets decimated with, with Omicron. We're in South Africa. I was one of the ones left over there. Wasn't too bad. The wine. I believe you were having a few tipples of wine with, with, with uh, <laughs> the video analyst, George, and you, you were kind of toasting each other on the balconies. The wine exceptional. <laughs> no, the funny thing was, in the trip we'd um, we'd filled we'd filled all the kit the uh, the kit bags with wine to bring home, and the lads had left it in the kit bags to be sent home with DHL, but DHL unfortunately they couldn't send the wine home, so, so we had it. He sorted it out. <laughs> <laughs> we were going through these uh, these bags of all the wine that the lads were uh, trying to ship home for themselves, so that kept us going in, in isolation. But in that month, um, joking aside. Then Johan's, Johan's announcement. And in that week, we're playing, we're playing Wasps in the European Cup with a young group and a British Lion group. So you've got this team of young lads and old lads. And, and I think Neve spoke before about how Pete, you went down to watch some training, Neve. Yeah. And Pete was driving these young lads, pulling these young lads with him. So we're playing that game. Then we play Cast the week after in similar circumstances. It's madness. You know, and I'm still in South Africa. Yeah, in, in isolation. Then we come back to the UK and the HSE, bless them, made us do another 10 days isolation here, just to be sure. So I, I got out of isolation just before Christmas, but that month was crazy. And um, we had to deal with a lot of stuff going on then. A, bit, a t- turmoil, for want of a better expression. Then we hit January. Then we had the disappointment of the, the Connacht game, which just wasn't good enough. We can't. We can't hide, hide away from that. We do, you, do you think that, that after the Connacht game, I was going to ask you that, and, um, was it unfair, some of the stuff that was said about Yawn, that maybe he, his mind isn't on the job and he should go now? And I thought, it, look, it personally, yeah. I was trying to be balanced. I thought the performance was poor. It was. No, don't get me wrong. Um, but I think it was unfair to say, suggest that Yawn's mind wasn't on the job. And that, you know, but look, that happens when things go wrong. You see it in football in the UK, all the United fans turning on the United board and all that, even though I'm a Liverpool fan. But that can happen. Yeah. Um, do you think it was a bit unfair, that? Of course, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm loyal, loyal to a, a great man, not just a great coach, but a, a great a great man. Uh, and, and it was. But, that, you know, that's what you get with sport. That, As I say, you, you, gotta, you get paid to deal with that pressure. Um but it didn't affect anything that we were doing. We just got to drive on day in, day out, and just worry about our, our, what we're doing here and worry about our performances. But it, when in answer to your original question, when when it all broke over that time, it, it was it was hard work. But those those coaches, they've been just the same, impeccable, yeah. impeccable in what they've been delivering day in, day out. And do you think that Connacht game was um, a reason for some change? in the way the team has played since, because both Neve and I have been positive about a little bit more expansive stuff that we've seen. We, or, or, or is that unfair to say suggest that just because that performance was um, not so expansive and it was poor with respect to Connacht? Um, or was, did, maybe the disjointed, we were saying the mitigating factors were because of all the di- disjointed stuff and COVID and it, not getting a settled team as well. But we, we, we definitely have seen um, more accuracy, lots of width in the game, uh, and inventiveness in the way you're trying to play. It doesn't always work, but we've been enthused by that. Well, I think I think you've you've seen that anyway, Quinny. You've seen that anyway. I, I look back to Scarlets. 
Scott, I think back to Stormers, the last try. Stormers, the, yeah. The, the pairs of hands that that ball went through, you know, that expansion, the way Steve's got us playing, I think you've seen it. But let's let's give Connell some credit here. They stopped us playing on New Year's Day. We didn't help ourselves. And we didn't have a lot of territory or possession, to be honest, but they, and they stopped us playing. But it, like, the way we're trying to play, you, you've got to have lots of ways of playing available at any one time. You know, we want to play these days. You've got to be challenging teams, moving them around. But I think before that game, you, you've seen how we're, we're trying to play more expansively. I think you have definitely seen that. I, what is a, like, it, it's, I was just saying Quinny beforehand, it must be really difficult to get off the plane to South Africa on a Sunday and prepare for a match for a Friday in Cork. Like that is, that's a, that's a big ask for, for players and, I know you'll have the, you know, the guys coming back from a really good Six Nations campaign, both from the 20s and from the seniors. They're obviously not going to be involved this week, but majority of them, I imagine. So, like, is that, you know, a tough thing to do to try and go, OK, listen, you know, we're just back. We've got three or four days to prepare. Well, let's get to Cork because we've seen through the 20s how much the Cork people come out and support rugby. I think what we have learned the last couple of years is dealing with change. I mean, we went through a period, I think we played Edinburgh at home 18 months ago with just a team run that week because of COVID. We, we're used to dealing with change. You're used to adapting, adapting to changing, <laughs> changing squad day in, day out. Um, the lads have been great. They're just used to it. They're they used to changing environments, flying over there, getting used to the heat, the altitude, coming back. Um, we've given them a bit more recovery today. We'll have a proper day tomorrow. Um, we'll go down to Cork Friday. But, I, you know, the, our standards won't drop. They're just used to it. Yeah. Good lads. And we trained them, we train them hard. And we've got a good squad. We won't have everyone back, unfortunately, from, from the Six Nations. But the lads we have got, they're chomping at the bit. And what you have seen is a real increase in competition within the squad. I look at the back five of the scrum, for example, never mind front row. I'm, I'm just going to be selfish and talk about forwards. But the increased competition there is, is noticeable. Do you think the, the, the next couple of, of weeks, um, it's obviously an incredibly busy period for you, um, Graham. And there's a lot on the line. You've got five, is it five URC games left? Um, European run. Um, do you see yourselves having a settled side or, or still mixing and matching a little bit? Or is this kind of, for, for players now, the door obviously you'll say is open, but do you think we see a pretty settled side in the next period of time? Because these all these games are vital. You've got double against Leinster, you're away to Ulster, you've had a double header against Exeter. Obviously, everybody can't play every week, but um, this is a really... Busy. This is the business side of things, isn't it, really? This is where the pressure ramps up. Yeah, it is. And I see, in my experience of being here, I think the competition's greater now than ever. Because uh, lads, lads are coming through and putting their hands up. Lads are performing. Young lads. Uh, again, you go back, you just mentioned the Scarlet's game in September, where everyone perceived us as sending a second team and we put 40-odd points on, on Scarlet. So, and since then, as I said, in the last couple of weeks, lads are really showing us what they can do under extreme pressure. I think the competition is stronger than ever. And I'd say the meetings, the selection meetings will be longer than the, we're used to when those guys come back, if that answers your question. But I think I, what, I, what I probably mean is the need to get continuity for coaches. Obviously, you have to use your squad. Yep. And that's a given. You need a big squad. I think you've used up 
late fifties or something this year, isn't it? It's incredible. Um, but is it easier for you as a coach to try and do you have to narrow it in a little bit now and say, look, get into this 25, 28 players because, you know, the more chopping and changing you have as a coach, you lose a little bit of yeah. continuity. Yeah, and I, I get what you mean. Yeah, and, and we get down to, to this end of the season, to this run. You go for your experience. You, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll tend to look towards the guys who have proven it on, on the big occasion. Naturally, that's just common sense. What's the... <clears throat> Goal for you now heading into the end of this part. I, I know it's obviously they flippantly say win trophies, but in terms of building, like you're looking, you're talking about strength and depth when you look at young guys coming through that playing really, really well. Like it excites me. Like I get really enthused by it because I think it's class. And and then you've got the likes of the lads coming back from Six Nations and and pushing back in there. It genuinely must like you must be buzzing head to training every day going like, I can't wait to see these lads have a crack off each other and yep. see what, what, what the energy is like. But then realistically, look rightly or wrongly and whether you like it or not, you know, Leinster have been Sander Bear for the last number of years in both Europe and in the local league. And then obviously they provide a huge amount of players in, in Ireland and Quinny made me say all this, by the way. Um, so, um, so, um, <laughs> So, what's your like? I suppose realistic goal towards this we get this, this this end of the season. Win every week. Win the next one, Neve. Sorry, I'm not. Going. No, I love it. I love it. I'm just win the in next terms bet. of that. Yeah, you know, I'd say by now because because we have had a good look at lots of guys and competition is good because of that. I say now it'll be form and experience that counts and uh, going into these big games and just win the next game. Win the next game. Have you been impressed with um, with Ireland Six Nations? Just uh, we'll drift off this for a minute. We're not going to keep you much longer, and Graham. But obviously, you worked with Faz. Um, you'd be close to him. What he's done with Ireland, Mike Cat as well. Um, and I'm sure, from your point of view, again as an assistant coach for the next two years, we'll say um, you want to get more Munster guys onto that Irish team. And and that was one of when I played with Munster, that was one of the goals. And it'll be a goal for each province more guys in the Irish team because if you have more guys playing international you're you're doing something right you're improving um, there's obviously I, and I really believe and I'm not just saying this I think there's we've done this piece every week are you watching Andy Farrell and we've picked out a few players and we I, we both genuinely believe there's future internationals in these young players that you're talking about do you see a pathway up and obviously Faz would, would keep an eye on some of these guys and would that be a goal to get more of them onto into a green chart? Absolutely, yeah. We want the club. It's a historic club, steeped in international caps. Is Munster? Um, now I want, I want as many of them to play for Ireland as possible. Um, in, in answer to your first question, yeah, I've been impressed. I mean, they've continued. I mean, I think I think Ireland they put down a marker against New Zealand, and they've not took the foot off the pedal, have they? I, I'd be really impressed with their ability to play quick, keep the ball, uh, their, their breakdown is smart, it's quick, it's aggressive, and you can't get near them. And they're, and they're, challenging, they're challenging teams right across the park. I mean, you've got to defend their rolling ball. Look at Dan, uh, Dan Sheehan's uh, try the weekend. Uh, you defend them all, then he pops out. You've got to defend their phase attack, smart kicking game. Um, 
I just think they've got real threats everywhere. But I like the speed at, at which they're doing things. And would you would you look at any of that type of play? I know that the, the, a lot of them are Leinster players and your own philosophy. Would you take stuff from that? Because I know some of the Munster guys who take stuff back themselves personally. And um, is that is that a way Munster can play as well? Yeah, look, I, I, as I say, I, I think you've seen you've seen that from us this season. Not um, not all the time. You've got to play the conditions. I mean, we seem to have played in a lot of bloody rain this season. Yeah, yeah, know? definitely. You're living in Limerick now, Graham. It's always raining. It is, isn't it? There's always that wind. That was what was weird in, in Pretoria. There's no wind. I'm thinking, where's that wind that's always here in, in Limerick? Um no, you, you, you have, we all want to play the game. To, to challenge teams, I, you know, as a forwards coach, if you move our forwards around and make them scrum and make them all, it's hard work. There's going to be a, a crack, a seam or a hole appear somewhere. You've got to make teams work these days. And I think everyone's trying to do it. Um, but no, I've been really impressed with what Andy's got them doing. Um, as I'd say, the breakdown has been very impressive. And the, mo- the modern day game really is continuously built around defence it's you know particularly if you're trying to score tries is is how do you break down defence I remember when Mike Ford came over to, to Ireland probably 20 years ago when I was playing with Ireland and we for the first time ever we got systems those systems now have gone to a point where <clears throat> it's hard when you're playing against teams who may get in your face make it difficult and that's probably is that something you're very conscious of and and in your own philosophy, you would look at other teams and what they do as well. Yeah, look and, outside the box. And you, you, I mean, ultimately, you got to be patient. We we call it staying in it. You got to be patient, wait for your turn, and that might be phases. I mean, we had a passage of play at the weekend of twenty phases. That might have been that might be in a kicking battle. Staying patient, stay in it, stay in it, and wait for your moment. And bang, you got to take it. And by taking it, you've got to be used to training and intensity in training. Bang! Take the opportunity in training. That, that's the art to it. The game is evolving all the time. So when you look at the, probably when both the E plates, it was very much uh, like forward dominated in terms of like malls, like Munster, Leicester, very good, um, very strong packs. And then we kind of went to this big rush defence and then we kind of went to different things like the trends what are the trends of the game now that you're like is, is it that high intensity ball and play time that you're looking to achieve is that's kind of where it's going now because you look at like say obviously what Ty Furlong has been the exception but then you see Stephen Archer and John Ryan making breaks off a, off a, a boot pass or, or a, a spot pass you're thinking God, like how long ago were they just stuck in around the rock now we're looking to to evolve and I just think is that is that the way the game is kind of going do you think Yep, yeah, you need props. I think I compare that those lads, those props who are playing now to when I played. I touched the ball once a month and I'd, I'd probably drop that. And and I look at the guys now, they've got to be able to pass, carry, they've got to be able to deceive defenders, look defenders in the eyes, pass the ball out the back. They've got to be able to offload, they've got to be able to defend, they've got to be agile, they've got to be able to scrum, tackle be dependable defenders, you know, get the spacings right. There's so much demanded from them in, in, in a game. I, I have nothing but admiration for them. And, and you, you're on about the game development from our day, which was quite a set-piece game. I remember suddenly you found all these rugby league coaches coming into uh, into uni, like you mentioned, Mike, for yeah. um, Phil Larder with England. 
And suddenly we had a structure. Suddenly there's a wall in front of you. And then all of a sudden, then you, you, you're manipulating, developing a game to, well, just manipulate defences. And that's where we're at now. And it's, it just keeps going and going every year. And the ball, the ball is in play longer. So you've got to be able to defend longer. And you've got to work out and break down defences. Um, I think Andy Farrell used an expression of um, telling lies to the defence, you know, and just manipulating and putting balls out the back. You've got to be able to do it across the board, all your players. And every coach, Graham, and, and uh, every coach is going to be under pressure at some stage, period of the season, maybe for a season, whatever. Uh, look at Eddie Jones, two years ago, England are winning a World Cup. Possibly South Africa beat him in the end uh, with a brilliant performance. A lot of questions about him now in the UK. Like, what's the mood over there like? I think the RFU have come out and backed him at the weekend. You probably have no sympathy for him because he let you and Faz go in 2015. <laughs> I just got over it till you mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I, I admire the guy. I, I it's genuinely, um, I like his style. I he's like tenacious, him. isn't he, and resilient? Yeah, he's, um, he's got some charisma. I like how he handles the media. He talks about what he wants to talk about. He's clearly a very good coach. Um, and, and I can see why the RFU are backing him. I mean, he, not long ago, they're in a World Cup final. Yeah. And, and the players and the playing squad, and he's, he's just he's building a squad there ready for next year. Uh, but I'm sure come the World Cup, they'll be there or thereabouts. OK, Graham, we're not going to keep you. Um, just finally, I think on the Munster fans... Rightly or wrongly, and I don't think any of us, even ex-players, have an expectation. I have, have a divine right to to know what's going on. Or we all have our opinions. Okay, so you genuinely believe, and I, gen, I I mean this when I say I love your passion. I love the way you've said you want to stay with Munster even before you signed. Um, you're in for the head coach job. What would you say to the Munster fans now about the group you have? about their honesty and their desire and what you, where you see this club going. Um, there's no divine right to win trophies for anybody. But I just think if Munster fans see commitment, desire, passion, work rate, I think they'll, they'll accept that. They love a trophy as well. But I, but see, I, think- that, I see that day in, day out, Quinny. You know, I, I see that at the week. I, I, I see that. We, we're not always... We don't win as many games as, 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 as people would want us to. But I, I see that. And I, I, I just urge those fans, stick with us. You know, we, we can feel you. We can feel it at Toman Park. We can feel you, your expectation. Stick with us, because I promise you, we've got a, a group of players who will deliver. OK, Graham. Look, really appreciate it. I know you've had a busy day, as you said. Uh, that's it for episode 24 of the Red 78. And make sure you get your podcast straight to your phone every week. Just search the Red 78 where you're ever you get your podcast and press subscribe don't forget in touch with uh, some tweets uh, on the rugby channel at rugby channel 15 or else you can tweet me even myself um, and that's it uh, that's it for this week you've, good luck against Benetton and you've got a very very busy couple of weeks and if you're announced as head coach tomorrow you're in big trouble with me and Eve Briggs uh, but no comment again you can't say anything to that we understand the process. Uh, good luck. Hope it works out for you. And best of luck between now and the end of the season. Thanks a million, Graham. Cheers. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. The Monster Rugby Podcast. Red 78 with Adam Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better.